the guy, you know, his mom picks the wife for him kind of thing. And, you know, the guy's a very nice kid. He's an obedient kid. He's going to say, yes, mom. The way they have to understand is that, okay, I will obey my parents and my parents might be happy now, but within two years, if things don't work out, the consequences of my decision are going to hurt my parents, are going to hurt me and are going to hurt that woman. Ask people, do your homework. A lot of people have this misconception that, uh, you know, once I feel closer to God, then I'm going to start practicing. It's backwards. You won't feel close to God until you start practicing. The Prophet ﷺ, there's a hadith Qudsi where he says that the most beloved acts of worship to God are those which he made obligatory. The person continues to get closer and closer to Allah, key point, gets closer and closer by voluntary acts of good. So like sunnah, um, things, you know, for the sake of Allah, things that are not obligatory, but you do them just to please Allah until Allah begins to love the person. So two things, you want to feel close to Allah, you want Allah to love you, do what Allah uh, prescribes for you, which is fard. So praying, fasting, hajj, zakat, and 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 then on top of that, sunnah prayers, uh, sunnah fasts, giving extra charity to the point where Allah will inshallah begin to love you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to the three the, the three the three what the, 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 I'm on keep the same one as keep Anil, it, man. Keep we're it, keeping bro. it we're, we're, keep it. Right, we're keeping it we're not keeping it right, right. Right. Huh. welcome we're back to the this. three Muslims pod three Muslim podcasts we're your hosts Fayad Rami and Anhel we're joined again with our honorable guest brother Gabriel Al-Romani hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on we're the realest what realest podcast in the dunya Bro, how, how could you miss the main part, bro? Man, I just finished. Okay. No. Oh, it's fasting, Yo, man. Get a break. Listen, I'm listen. He didn't even say realist. He said wheelist. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the dry fasting getting you, bro. Yeah, man. Let's get into Bismillah. me. Bismillah. Yes, welcome back to the podcast. We are the realist podcast in the dunya, and we're joined again. For part four of the intimacy series with Brother Gabriel Al Romani. Salam alaikum wa rahmatullahi. How you doing? Kum salam atarakat. Alhamdulillah, man. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's good. Just started fasting. Ooh. Oh, you just started? Yeah, oh we just started. 7 a.m. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, I mean, yes. you, you guys are about to finish, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Inshallah. Alhamdulillah. How are you guys feeling? I mean, first day was like tough, man. My head was like, poof. Yeah. Bro, second day was the worst for me. Really? Yeah, second day, like, I, I just felt out of it. But today, mm. I feel, I feel sharp. It's just yeah. now that it's like, now that I'm at the end, and my body is like, all right, bro, it's time. It's time. <laughs> so, it's like your body kicks in those the extra energy, you know what I mean? Towards the end of the day, you feel like strong, huh? Mashallah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep busy, though, yeah. Alhamdulillah. Mashallah. Good man, day five today, man. Wow, it's like flying. Yeah, subhanallah, it really is. Uh, this like, is definitely my hardest day for me, though, as you can see. Mans can't speak. <laughs> <I saw laughs> Bismillah. Cool, cool, uh, cool. Alhamdulillah. 
So we ended off uh, part three or episode three of the Antipathy series talking about preparation for nikah. Mm. So I think we should continue that, inshallah. <clears throat> so, yeah. So if, if you have a mental note of where you want to start, inshallah, khair. If not, then I have a few questions already. Yeah, let's start with some questions and get you guys more involved. Ooh. Bismillah. Okay, Bismillah. So, in being prepared for nikah, we talked about financials and, and, and all of that building up to being ready and, and all of that. Uh, did we talk about vetting? We did a bit about vetting, but uh, yeah, I think Not we need to much. get a bit more into that. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. yeah. So let's let's talk about vetting a little bit more. Inshallah, for both men and women, is it similar? Is it different? So on. Yes. Yeah, so last night I got a question from one of my uh, clients, and they were basically this was a woman, and she was basically saying like, "Look, like I need to get married, but like, how do I go about?" It? She's like, "I'm terrified." And there's this gamophobia, right? It's um, fear of marriage, right? SubhanAllah, if you guys, <laughs> sounds like game phobia or something, but it's called gamophobia. It's uh, the phobia of marriage. Like it's something so real that people are scared uh, of marriage. And she said, basically, like everywhere I look is divorce, 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 divorce. Everyone is divorced. I think one of my clients was saying like, of all the friends that they have, like, I think it was like 80% are divorced within like, the first five years, you know, and this is just that person's experience, but it, it is something that is, is a problem. And of course it's not vetting or wrong vetting is not the only problem. There's a lot of other factors, but if, as we're talking about vetting, I think our ummah, the Muslim ummah, we are not vetting correctly. And what do we mean by vetting? Meaning just before marriage, like making a decision. Because, you know, sometimes we use these uh, Western terms and people uh, might think that, what are we doing? Are we, are, we, are we injecting something into Islam? No. The concept of picking your spouse or picking, you know, your wife, your husband, is something very much from the Quran and Sunnah, from the Prophet Sallallahu And the first evidence for that is the Sahaba, they said to the Prophet, like, I want to get married, you know, I'm going to get married. And he said, did you see her? And he said, no. He said, go see her because there's something in the eyes of the women of the Ansar, you know, and other examples. So you have to see. And here, the issue of seeing obviously is related to what? Is related to attraction, which is, again, huge and taboo a lot within our community. So what happens is, again, I base it on, you know, 17 years of counseling experience in the community where the brother, the guy, you know, his mom picks the wife for him kind of thing. You know, she says, okay, my son, um, we have this family. They're a good family and they are my friend. And I've already talked to the mom and she has a daughter. Okay. And she's really good. She's studying, ta, ta, ta. And you got to marry her because it's a good family and we want to unite the two families. And, you know, the guy's a very nice kid. He's an obedient kid. He's going to say, yes, mom. All right. And so finally, there's something like the mothers get involved in this a lot. From my experience in the community, the mothers do a lot of, you know, going, seeing. It's like almost like the mother is marrying the woman, you know, like she has to be happy. I'm not going to name the cultures, but throughout there is a, you know, we can say consistency in this, in this problem. Now, I don't want to generalize, but yes, this is an issue. So the guy accepts sometimes even before seeing the girl or even if he's going to see the girl, he's not going to be able to put an argument up, all right? Uh, that, okay, really, I don't like her. Some people do when it's really 
there's incompatibility, full incompatibility. But in general, a lot of the, I think the way we raise our children is, is good that they are obedient to the parents. But this is not the correct approach of Islam where like it's just for everything with parents because parents are not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? They can be wrong. And you, I think the way a man or a woman has to think when it comes to obedience to parents, sorry, let's use a even stronger words, when the parents push the marriage on them, okay? And kind of like don't give them any choice. I think the way they have to understand is that, okay, I will obey my parents and my parents might be happy now, but within two years, if things don't work out, the consequences of my decision are going to hurt my parents, are going to hurt me and are going to hurt that woman, right? So right now they might be happy with me, but you're not thinking ahead, right? You're not thinking ahead and you might make a mistake. And come on, let's be honest. Um, a lot of people do push themselves onto the marriage and within a few years, uh, they can't be together. They just cannot coexist in the same place and they will divorce. Or if they do not divorce, and some cultures, obviously, um, the issue of divorce is, again, something very, very taboo. So they, they stick it out and suffer, right? They suffer. But it's a very miserable life and the families feel it. Because there's, you know, when you're like faking it and you're just trying to get through it, you're not really you're not really behaving well. People will notice. You're not giving the best. There's no flow of energy. There's no flow, right? You go to a family meeting, people notice, like, what's wrong with this person? You know, like, they're not happy. You, you can't hide. I'm so sorry, but happiness, you cannot hide it. Even if you fake it, you're the best person, right? Uh, to fake it, in the end, people feel that it is fake. So it's going to hurt people. People are going to start wondering, being sad, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? You know, pushing you, trying to get into your life. And it's just not good. So vetting is just so important on all levels. The physical level, you know, the chemistry, the um, psychological, emotional, spiritual level, the deen, Islam, make sure that you're connected there. All these aspects are very important. How are you going to know whether you're going to be able to be compatible? Well, you have to meet. You have to see each other. You have to interact. Before uh, Khadija radiallahu anha, she married the Prophet she knew a lot about him. And not just that, he worked for her. And she asked about him. She inquired. So that's, we see now here, a few steps that we can be doing the vetting process. So number one, yes, you should see the person. And there should be some proximity, not just a picture. Sorry, you know, but pictures... Today, especially today, with all these filters, you know, people are living life with the filter. So it's like good from far, but far from good. You know what I mean? When you actually see it in reality. So, of course, forgive me. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I understand. I know some people are like, bro, what you're talking about, right? I'm beautiful. Alhamdulillah, inshallah, you are. But this is the reality, right? People need to, there has to be proximity. This is the way humans have been dealing for thousands of years. Because when there's proximity, there's, there's, there's pheromones, there's energy, there's things that flows, right? And you, you feel it, you know? You feel when you're around someone. So how many times 
you know, you exchange messages, WhatsApp, this and that. But then when you get to meet that person face to face, it's a whole different dynamics. All right. And that's why I really don't like the way our world is going and where it's going, because we are removing the, the human element from the equation when it comes to relationships, business, dealings, and so on. So go see her and you will feel it. Now, another problem is that a lot of people say, well, I'm not feeling it now, but inshallah, I will feel it later. You know, like this is something that I heard that it's going to come later. So, you know, it's okay. I'll just accept now. Maybe, maybe not that, that you don't know. <laughs> you, you just don't know. Right. So again, that's why the process did tell us how about go see. He could have said, oh, don't worry, man. Just go ahead and talk a lot and you'll feel it after, you know, check it out after, you know. No, he said, go. Check it out. Make sure you're okay. Make sure you're happy. Make sure you feel good about it. This is the person you're going to wake up um, next to the, for the rest of life. And you want to make sure uh, you wake up uh, happy. <laughs> so the Prophet said in authentic hadith that the best woman that you want to marry is the one that when you look at her, you are pleased. And when you command her, she obeys. All right. So these are two aspects that he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, talked. He also said in another hadith that about the, the, um, the woman who is fertile or warm. Okay. I know we don't want to use other words, but basically the fertile loving woman who wants to produce children, who wants to be intimate. How are you going to know that? Well, there are a few th ways to know that. Of course, uh, people not comfortable with this, but there are ways. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put a frame, a general framework within the Sharia and has made things very general. Like, for example, in science, right? And so on. Things in the Quran in general that, um, that push people, and encourage people to explore the natural sciences and the, the humanities and so on. So that's where we see the scholars of old that this general framework, there's certain specifics in Islam for sure. And then there's general frameworks and those push you to explore more to learn more within the uh, general you know demarcations of the sharia so we see these advice to the prophet so definitely are, are we following that again my argument is always like are we actually following islam in anything so today we're talking about intimacy okay vetting are we actually following the sunnah and my response will be no i think we're following culture in a lot of cases and some of the culture with all due respect because it's you know changes and so on some things are just extra you know i'm not trying to disrespect anyone that's what i'm not naming but some things are just extra and those extra are causing the problems that we're having today so if in, a, in someone's culture is like you know you don't have to see someone you just see them on the day of your marriage i know some people get upset but then again you are setting yourself up for failure. People say, yeah, bro, but look, we are, you know, we, we don't have divorce in our community. Yeah, but people are suffering. Yes, they're sticking together, but they're committing zina. They're addicted to porn. They're gay. They're this, they're that. Again, I'm talking from, from you know, from hundreds, if not thousands of cases that I deal with. So yes, people stick it out. And yeah, you don't have the numbers, the statistics that in our community, we have huge divorce, but are you happy? 
or it's not about being happy like you who you know you're jumping up and down it's about being content about you know having flow about going through your life and worshiping allah and achieving things in life because that's what happens when you have a mental psychological emotional block that comes out of a bad negative toxic relationship you can't give the world the best that you have you might be very skilled you might have good talents and many things and to be honest you're you're making a, a dhulm or a wrongdoing to the world because allah is giving you all the skills and the world doesn't get it from you you know what i mean like, i had i had one main thing on my mind what would you say um it's like a good list of red flags of women to avoid today in the modern world from a man's side uh, in terms of women what mm-hmm. to avoid well i think um the woman who complains a lot if that's all she does in your initial conversation just complains about this about that it's all about like you know complaining be careful of a person who nags and complains okay might be a beautiful person might be a beautiful woman but if she's always complaining and nagging, you know, if her conversations start with, you know, my friend is like this and my family is like that and my university is like this and my everything is about, you know, complaining, mm-hmm. it's not a good thing because it shows a personality issue uh, that this person is prone to being, you know, to complain a lot. And that's yes. going to come to you. I heard, okay? I, heard this, I heard this quote, if she complains about you, or sorry, if she complains to you about them, She's complaining to them about you. Exactly. Exactly. Jeez, the audio is feeble right now, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's that's probably one of the, the most important things. And again, I th- as I said before, like people um, and on the on the guy side from the woman to the guy, a big red flag. If he's always like, I don't know, we'll see. Like he's not decisive, right? If a woman's going to ask a man questions when she vets him, she talks to him, she meets him face to face, and he's like not, he doesn't have a plan. He's just like, I don't know. We'll see. Inshallah. You know, inshallah is, is mashallah, you know, it's something, you know, that is very important in our deen. But people use it like kind of like as a substitute for I have no clue what I'm doing. Let's just see what happens. You know what I mean? And that's not correct. So she should be very, very wary of that, all right? Um, definitely physical attraction is very important and you will feel it, okay? People are not in touch with themselves. That's the problem, I think, because they suppress their emotions. And we see this when we look in the, the po- poetry of the Arabs um, and of the scholars and so on, talking about love, for example, and there is no suppression of emotions. It's just control and management of how you behave and what you do in terms of, you know, the dynamics in society, the respect they have for each other. But there was never a blockage of emotions and of, of feelings. And um, even the Prophet, he, he uh, you know, tells a story uh, of some of the, you know, uh, some of the uh, old pre-Islamic, you know, incidents about love and about this and that so and has a discussion with his wife with Aisha and sometimes they're joking about marriage and this and that so there was no like you know repression of emotions but we find that that happens in our communities so people go with these like you know these 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 blocks and they don't want to feel anything they don't want to see how they feel they don't know how to check whether they feel something or not and, you know, then someone asked him, so what do you think? Are you okay? I'm like, it's okay, I guess. I don't know. 
Bismillah, you know, may Allah help it, make it easy. And then they go ahead and again, marriage might end up in problems. All right. So they have, you have to go to the vetting session one, twice, three times, four times, I don't know, 10 times till you are happy. Now, again, the setting and how and all that should be respectful, should be with the knowledge of people within public, this, that, no doubt. But not just like, yeah, uh, auntie, rec you know, uh, recommended a girl, calls the mom, mom sets it up. Okay, mm. nikah is on the 20th, you know, of this month. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Ugh. Okay, it's not so good. And then, you know, two years later, they're in our office, you know, or in one of our files dealing with, you know, uh, so many issues, right? Or divorcing or mm -hmm. any other problems. So I think this is very important, brothers and sisters. I cannot emphasize enough that there has to be something. Now, don't go like, it's not dating or, you know, go for two years. Let me get to know this person. Let me taste the cake and, you know, and all that. No, but there has to be some form of, of you know, of, of vetting. And as we said last time, I, I made these two points. I said, istikhara, like you ask Allah, right? You have to learn istikhara. Some people don't know the dua of istikhara. Okay, and istishara, and you consult with people, and you ask around. Like it's not just your vetting. That's another wave or another form of vetting is that you ask people. Do your homework. Ask people who know them, families, this and that. Don't just okay. I met them because this person can put in a very nice, a very nice image when they meet you. They might be very, very good when they meet you. Obviously, going to be on their best behavior, right? Because they're already. You know, when I go and inspect uh, teachers um, in, in, in schools as an inspector, I do announced inspections, then I do unannounced inspections because, you know, announced inspections, everyone's going to prepare, right? Like they know they're going to put on their best. I used to, when I used to be a teacher, I used to have my ace lesson up my sleeve, you know, like it was just ready. Whenever an inspection comes, it's like I used to, you know, have like the best lesson ready. So I kind of beat the the unannounced un, uh, un, uh, inspection like that. I would pull out the best lesson ever. But I try to go and not catch them, but I want to see how you are in, in just your regular day-to-day, -day, how you behave. And that's why one of the sub, if I remember the story correctly, that he was hiding. He was checking this woman out and looking and see, but he was kind of like hiding, not allowing her to see him. And he told the processor, he was laughing, you know? So he was like, kind of like just, I wouldn't say spying, but he was like, just, you know, just checking it out and just seeing, uh, just to see how she acts naturally, you know? And that's how it is, right? If someone sees you, uh, but if, if you're on your own, on your own terms, you, you act differently, right? So it's important to know. That's why um, the Sahaba said that you only know a person truly when you live with them, when you travel with them, when you make business with them, right? Um, these are, this is a reality. And that's the reality that, in the end, even this person, you vet them and whatnot, you're only going to find out who they really are within the first few, you know, months or first year of living with them. And you have to make adjustments and whatnot. But vetting, just to leave it to, to, to end the point, is extremely important. I believe our community doesn't do it enough. I believe the, the community needs to set up classes to teach people how to go about it. Okay, premarital counseling. It is now part of some of the masajid, I believe, and some of the programs that they have. Alhamdulillah, I think it is increasing. But it's it needs to be done more. It needs to be done more. And I'm not sure. I've seen some of the courses. I think needs to be a bit more realistic. 
and a bit more, not just about, okay, your rights in Islam are this and her rights are that. Okay, get married. No, it's about like, what are the, some of the things that you can do, some of the things you can ask, some of the issues you can, you know, you can consider and whatnot. And again, based on, as we got, went right now, on the Quran Sunnah, now what the Prophet did, let's look at the marriage of the Sahaba. Because again, we might have a standard. I was listening to a lecture the other day. Uh, these, uh, these sisters were talking about, you know, uh, marriage. But the problem is their standard was, was their own experiences only. It was not the Quran Sunnah. It was not examples from the life of the Prophet They were just giving their own experiences and opinions. And that's not necessarily the best. So I think we need to contextualize things and give the evidence. Because in the end, this is the best revelation. This is the revelation from Allah. And we want to make sure that we understand it and we use those concepts to apply to our daily life. So very important to have pre-marital classes, get the people out there, let them see each other, put them face to face, let them ask the questions, build scenarios, have a list, like sit down, have a paper and build 10 scenarios that you think in life are important that would really tick you off. Like if, you know, if it happens in the wrong way, like something that's really, you know, it's like you cringe, you know, when it happens in life. And then set it up in such a way and then ask the sister, like, something like, what would you do if, if I come home and this, you know, something like that, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. One important question is like, what would you do if you come home at, you know, 8, 9 p.m. and you're tired and I want to get busy, you know, I want to go to bed, you know, I want to have, I want to be intimate, you know, what would you say? And, you know, like, no, you know, and it's like. I think that's like not you know not appropriate. We already, we already did last night. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Again, you know, like you gotta understand some yet. of these issues. Yeah, it's not always not sad. You know, you gotta understand. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, some of these things. I oh, know, man. Inshallah. Quick reminder, bro. You gotta leave soon. Yeah, no, I'm about to leave right now. I was about to say what, what, everything. What are you cooking? You, I'm about to cook some beef with some potatoes and some chicken and i'm gonna have you got some skills or what? man i got to brian got no wives oh so like what are you like a black no belt or something in, in cooking a black belt in cooking nah, bro. <laughs> i'm like i'm like a white belt bro my cooking I, sometimes i'll cook i'll be like oh this is nice and i'll go to a restaurant i'm like yeah nah my cooking ain't good yeah, but it's like nice when you do it, right? Like it's like you feel like clean, clean. Yeah, uh, clean. I'd rather be doing time. something else. To be yeah, honest. it's just a time, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But bro, last thing that I want to say is that it's very logical what you're saying. I mean, someone in their right mind wouldn't just go and get married with another person without knowing this person, whether they're Muslim or not. You know. So I think I think it's beautiful that. The Prophet وسلم, is saying this, and it's also pure logic. Like someone can comprehend this without even knowing Islam. That's right. Without knowing anything of it. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Did you just say the Prophet? Wasallam? I did. That, that came out clean, right? It came out yeah. clean, and I noticed it's that, bro. It was clean. the first time I heard that from you, bro. Beautiful. It wasn't the Prophet, peace be upon him. Subhanallah. Beautiful. It's it's getting kind of dark here. I'm gonna head out. It would be He's out. That's how you get. That's how you leave us, huh? Mashallah. Mashallah. Much love.
Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. Enjoy your iftar, bro. Salam. We'll Thank see you bro. tomorrow, same time. Lots bro. of that, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> so funny. All right. <laughs> with that being said, real. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> with that being said, all the red flags aside, um, what are some green ones, right? Um, I do a lot of online coaching, you know, fitness type of stuff, but people come to me with questions on marriage, you know, just normal type of relationship stuff, uh, you know, just mental health stuff too. And then one of the most common things I have once we're done red flags is what are some green flags or green lights, right? Things that are like standards, things that you will know without these, you will not, for example, consider even someone. So what would that be for you, brother? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for a woman, if I look at a woman, if I meet a woman to, to marry her, uh, one of the most important things would be, of course, as the Prophet ﷺ said, look at her deen, you know, the deen first, right? And I think when you look at the deen, uh, be careful here. And I've made a, a video on this about marrying the sheikha, you know, don't be deceived. A lot of guys get deceived by the appearance and the some of the practice. So, you know, mashallah, the hijab is good, the niqab or so on, which is very important, no doubt. I mean, that's something important. But a lot of times guys prematurely think that, okay, she's really wearing an abaya and niqab, so she must be like a really, really good Muslimah, okay? A good Muslimah is a very comprehensive term. And I think the brothers, because of the, a lot of the issues that are addressed in the social media Muslim discourse is a lot about, uh, to do with the prayer, the appearance, the this, that, right? So a lot of people make the judgment, like she must be a good Muslim because she wears niqab. Not necessarily, okay? Not necessarily. You have to be careful. And that's why I said in my video, some of the guys suffer. They've married the niqabi. They married the very, you know, pious looking, everything. But she's not a good wife. You understand? So, for example, she'll be praying qiyam al-layl. So praying the whole night, you know? And a lot of, yeah, they do like, you know, reading Quran a lot, studying and so on. But when he calls her to bed, she says, no. Okay. She says, I don't want to make ghusl, for example. That was one of the, th the questions that came You know, I don't like to make ghusl. So can I just reject, you know, intimacy? Because, you know, I want to do this and do that. No, that's, that's, that's a misunderstanding. Actually, that is a problem in her fiqh. And fiqh in Islam means understanding. Yufaqihu fi deen. He will understand or be thought to understand in the deen. So... If she's putting Qiyam al-Layl, which is a sunnah, over her husband who calls her to bed, which is a fard, fard. she has misunderstood the priorities of Islam. And I can tell you that that, that marriage is going to fall apart. She is praying and she was going to say something like, but I'm praying, I'm making dua for you. But I'm suffering. You know what I mean? Like I need, I need to be intimate. And, you know, she's going to, but I'm fasting, but I'm studying Islam. I thought you're going to be happy. I want to raise our children in Islam. Yeah, good. You don't have to be, uh, you know, a mufti. You know what I mean? You don't have to become a scholar. You know what I mean? I'm not mm. saying that some women should not become a scholar, but in general, that is not something that is by default that women should take upon. What do you, what do you say about this, this thing that all women say nowadays, including Muslim feminists? Yes. Is it only about that? Is it, is it all about intimacy? What do you say to that? Well, I'll say what the sheikh, uh, sheikh uh, one of the sheikhs, I'm not going to name it because I don't want people mm. to smash his inbox. But when he was asked that question, he said, yes, 
Yes. <laughs> it is indeed. It's very one of the, the most important thing in nikah that becomes the first thing that becomes halal when you uh, marry is intimacy, right? That's why it's called nikah. So very important. Uh, it's not the only thing, no, but when it's not there, then definitely is going to be the one thing that's always on the mind, you know, and it's going to cause problems. So um, she, she cannot use that. He, he, he's going to suffer and she's going to suffer too. It depends, obviously. And that's the issue, right, of feeling the connection, the issues of libido and differences in that. That's also a problem uh, that needs to be discussed at some point. But definitely um, she, you know, she can be very religious, looking, praying, practicing, but all these things are sunan. The Prophet said, uh, the Muslim woman, she just has to do her fard. And let's analyze that. Fard means she prays five daily prayers. No extra sunnah. Fard means no extra sunnah. Of course, she'll pray extra sunnah. But in general, that's all it's needed. Her fard. Five daily prayers. Okay. Fasting Ramadan. Perfect. Okay. What else? Believing in Allah and His Messenger. Okay. Three are uh, there out of five. Uh, fulfilling Hajj. If he has, if she has the ability, if not, then halas, you know. So then it's only three now you have, and to pay zakah again if the nisab is met. So even that, you don't know, right? So basically, she has to do three things, okay? To believe in Allah and His Messenger, to pray, and to fast, and obey her husband. She can choose whichever gate of Jannah she will walk through, and that's my question to the sisters: Do you want Jannah? Shortcut is there. Shortcut is there. You want to struggle and be in the spotlight and on the podiums and giving lectures and empowering women and all that and struggling your way through dunya and divorcing and Mm -hmm. going because you think you have your rights and you have to lift your fist in the air and you think you're going to get to Jannah. I'm not, I'm not the one who decides. I'm just saying that it's quite, I can see the women exhausting themselves. I can see women being tired. Yes, wasn't there a hadith where uh, a guy came up to the Prophet Sallallahu and uh, I think, I don't know if it was one of the Sahaba, but he was, he was like, uh, you know, should I prostrate to you? And the Rasulullah was saying, if there was someone that I could tell you to prostrate to aside from Allah, uh, it would be to your husbands, women yeah, to their yeah. husbands. Yeah, so he came from, from the Christian lands and he saw some people doing that to their priests and whatnot. So he mm-hmm. wanted to do yes. that. He actually did that. And Salasim said, no, you cannot do that. He says, but if anyone would have been ordered to, it would have been the woman towards the man because of the responsibility and accountability that the man has, you know, and the fadl that Allah SWT has given him, right? A lot of people misinterpret this. They think that it's like, oh, look at this male chauvinist, you know? No, no. It's so sad. Like I've seen these days now, these liberal sisters are, have no limits. Like they are... They're questioning the scholarship of Islam, saying that it's the man that, you know, twisted these hadith and this and that and back, you know, mouthing Bukhari and Muslim and the scholars of Islam. And it's very sad that it reached to this position, but yes. it is a reality. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the, that's the shortcut. The women have the shortcut. Uh, yeah, that doesn't mean they cannot be happy. They cannot do things. That doesn't mean they're slave. That doesn't mean, mm-hmm. no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the mindset. I'm talking about, you know, the problem is with our sisters today that they don't accept 
the belief, so their mindset is clogged. So of course they're going to see it as negative. They're going to see it as something difficult for them, harsh. It's all about us. But when you have faith and Iman and you understand the context of this and you don't see, well, I'm not stuck. I'm not a slave. I'm alhamdulillah. I'm happy. I'm, you know, because I understand what's my objective. My objective is Jannah. This life is very short. I can still enjoy this life. I will enjoy this life because my husband is happy with me and I'm happy with him and we love each other and I do my part. He does his part. We're a team. We have beautiful children i don't need to listen to this feminist rant that go out there and beat yourself in the chest and you know uh, make your hijab into a turban and take it off and burn it and be strong and you know talk about your problems and this and that mm -hmm. you know and then gonna get jannah right so i don't know it's it's um it's a problem i think a lot of women are very happy with just uh, following the quran sunnah because their mm -hmm. mindset is tuned to that and if a sister comes and says, but you're oppressed. Like I was just talking to a, to a brother yesterday. And he said that people, he's mashallah, a traditional brother. And he says, um, my family, he says, my own family uh, are attacking my wife because she's like happy to cook for me every day. And they're saying, whoa, you're, you're oppressing her. And they're coming to her and saying, you are oppressed. And she says, no, I'm not. No, no, you are oppressed. She's like, but I'm not. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm happy. No, no, no. You just brainwash. You don't understand. You're going to see it the way we see it. You're going to see it. And she's like, I don't see it. I'm very happy with my husband. He's very happy with me. I enjoy what I'm doing. What is your problem? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, leave me to myself, man. Like, take it easy, you know? It's, it's the mindset, man. It's the mindset has been attacked, of course, by the propaganda and the enemies of Islam. And it, it changes, right? Because belief changes. Belief is can be uh, changed. So these are, I, I would say, a very important things uh, for, for brothers to, to make sure that when they choose the deen, that it includes her understanding of priorities of the fard, of her position as a wife. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, not every, mostly men are not looking for scholar women. They're looking for good Excellent. wives good mothers mm -hmm. who have their deen and know their deen. I'm not saying, you know, to be ignorant. Actually, it's important. The Prophet used to educate the women. It's important. We're not saying, we're not saying that no, no education. No, uh, but they should understand their priorities. And it is part of the fiqh. It is part of the teachings of Islam. It's very, very important. So that is a very important green flag for me to win, so I can ask the right question. So I'm not going to ask her like, okay, what is the nisab of, you know, of zakah or this or that, you know? <laughs> like, that's not going to be my question, to be honest, because there you can look up. I will ask her issues around application in marriage and being a mother, the fiqh of mu'amalat or dealings with each other, okay? This is very important. How, this, that, and so on, you know? How would you deal with the neighbors? How yeah, would you deal with me? You know, these kind of stuff. And these, bro, I'm learning so much, but this is one thing I need to add that these things naturally women want to talk about. And they'll be honest, if you have some level of not being judgmental. Now, I'm not saying you need to be non-judgmental just to get her to, you know, read everything out. But it's like you shouldn't be too judgmental anyway, especially with a woman that you're not even going to marry. If she says something that's a complete deal breaking red flag, you don't need to marry her. But at least you'll get to know her fully. It's better to know that woman fully and not marry her than not know her at all and then get into a marriage with her and then find out later on, oh, what is this? I didn't think you were like this. You wore a hijab. Uh, your sister, I thought it was this. And come on, like that's going to end. Um, Rami, do feel free to jump in right now. Anytime, 
um, because you've been a little, uh, I don't know if uh, we're stealing the, the mic too much, but we're on a time crunch, not too much. There's, we talked about it from a man's side. I want to know things from a woman's side. So what are things that, you know, how can a woman know that I have an effeminate man who's obviously not, you know, good marriage material by the least, um, because you talked about decisiveness. So that's one. Yes. Once that's done, um, let's skip over to what parents can do. Any advice you have for parents on their kids that are ready for marriage and how they cool. can approach that? Cool. Yeah. So from the woman's side, uh, going, again, maybe sister would be like, how did you know you're a guy, you know, because again, I deal with a lot of female clients. Okay. And people can judge whatever many of the sheikhs respond to sisters and, you know, I can name them, but again, people are, again, are judgmental. Uh, we have our system and our way and we do it properly and we've been doing it for a long time. Um, and with, with women, you know, guys, uh, because of the system of the 21st century, starting with the educational system, uh, the, just the way they, they're, they're, you know, raised up by the media and so on. Guys are quite weak today. We have to admit that. Okay. I, I know that uh, we, we are trying to empower men and to raise, you know, the awareness of masculinity, but part of that is realizing where we are. Right. So when you try to revamp a system, you do what's called a baseline assessment. So when we do a baseline assessment of men today, men are, I mean, they leave a lot to be wished for. You know what I mean? They are weak. Uh, spiritually, uh, emotionally, intellectually, uh, financially, uh, physically, we are weak. Just look around, go to the masjid and just take a sample. I, some, like yesterday I was uh, praying just before Juma. We went early and I, I, I do this because as a you know, person who comes from a science background, as a, I do, I observe. So I was sitting around and just looking at the, uh, the size of people. Sorry, you know, I don't want to be, you know, but it was just the size of people. And it was something I was like, how many in that masjid? It was about, I estimated about 400 people. Um, there was about, you know, five, they were in shape. Okay. Only five, they were in shape. The other ones, sadly, sadly, you know, it was, it was just something sad. You might, you're judging, you know, I'm not judging. I'm just trying to make a point. Okay. Um, the Prophet made very clear when he, the guy came with a, you know, with a belly, um, the Sahaba were, you don't have to have an eight pack guys. That's not what I'm talking about. Not beach body, you know, ab, whatever. I don't know what, you know, men's health thing, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. If you can do it, alhamdulillah, bismillah, I'm sure maybe your, your wife would like that. But if you don't take care of yourself, it shows again, mindset and character that you don't care about yourself. All right. You can tell a lot about a man when you look at the way he looks, he takes care of himself, his clothes, um, his car. Okay. If it's clean or not, <laughs> a lot of things. Okay. His room, uh, a lot of things. You can tell a lot about a man. And sadly, men today are quite weak. So when women, they want to vet and they want to see how, what I choose, you want to look for a man who is strong. Okay, as the Prophet said, that the strong Muslim is more beloved to Allah than the weak Muslim. Right? Now you're like, oh, again, you're focusing on this. No, I'm saying what the Prophet said, and it's all over. Uh, it's not just about that he has muscles or not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying his character. Is he decisive? Does he have a plan in life? Ask him. Sisters just go like, okay, brother, I like you. You know, you are handsome. Talk Allah, let's get married. Nah. Ask him, what's your plan in life? What do you want to do? 
what is your goal? How, how are you going to take care of us? Uh, what do you, you know, ask these questions about plans, about their dreams. It's not, there's a difference. Be careful. Usually people ask about what? Job, right? Do you have a job? What do you work as? No, man, because that job can disappear in no time, okay? And that job might, might not be. Ask them about what is their personal goal in life, their objective, their, um, you know, mission and vision. It's not the job, guys. It's not the job because you see, that person, when he has a mission and vision, the job will be just a sabab, a means to reach that, okay? So that woman will know that this guy, he will do whatever it takes, okay? Whatever it takes, including work two jobs, and he's not going to feel ashamed because he's going to understand that that's not about a career. It's about a means for him to achieve what he wants to do, and he'll do anything to achieve that goal. And if you share that dream and if you believe in him, then that is a good man to, uh, to rely upon because he's not going to leave you at the first sign of, of you know, problems or financial difficulties or he's going to run away from responsibility. He's going to be able to stick about it. And you know, we know it's been proven that women prefer and really react well to, to stability, to safety. It's just the way Allah created them, right? And that's another... Um, evidence for the fact that you know women's role is not to be out there and about there and doing all the things that men they're more of the nurture they're more of the one who build the home and the family and manage that all right and the man is the one who's doing the hustling right and the two again are a team and when the dynamics are clear alhamdulillah the marriage is, is really good right because imagine the husband is out she's taking care of things he, they miss each other, they come, this, you know, but if both of them are out, both of them are doing things, both of them have their own life, both of them are tired, they just come home and just cohabitate, they're just like roommates, you know what I mean? That's not, that's not marriage, man. And that's the thing, right? It's like, I'm telling you, if a woman comes home tired, okay, and we're talking about intimacy, forget about intimacy, bro. It, it ain't happening. If she's not in the mood, the mindset is not there, Okay, she's just not happening. And that's just the way women are. Again, I'm not generalizing. There might be exceptions. Some sisters are watching. I'm like, I'm not like that. I can do anytime. No. But in general, if she's very tired, her, you know, she had a bad day, her boss was being, you know, a, a bad guy or whatever, or she's, you know, the whatever. There was problems at work. She has the wrong mindset right now, wrong emotions, gets home, stuck in traffic for an hour. You know, she's not going to want to do it, man. Even if she's going to force herself, it's not going to be good. You're going to feel that you are, she's not there. She's not present. Okay. And you're going to feel it and not going to like it. All right. Um, but if she's home, she's taking care of things. She has time. She relaxes. She does a few things, chores, kids, that. It's like, you know, it's, it's, she's in her zone. She's feminine. You're coming home from a long day, bro, like 9, 10, 12 hours, having to put up with all kinds of dudes and this and that, you know, people being rude, guy cut you off, this and that. You're super like tense, upset, whatnot. Bro, you walk through that door and you see your princess, bro. It's like nothing happened, nothing. And she comes and gives you a hug and says, let's go. 
you're ready, bro. It's like, what? You know, it's like, just boom. You just, that's how the men are. We're built you know, for it, we, yeah. can, we can be in the lowest level, man. And you see your woman, beautiful, ready for you. And she just says the right thing or touches you in the right way or gives you the hug. She smells good. And it's like, it's morning, 7 a.m. I'm ready. You know, it's like mm. nothing happened. All the 12 hours are erased and you're good to go, man. And it will be amazing. And then you can really relax, you know? You're like chilling, man. Like you can go to sleep. But if not, you're going to be thinking that that reset doesn't happen. You're going to be thinking about that 10 hours that happened. You can't even fall asleep. Men are complaining that they don't get enough sleep, quality sleep. Yeah, because it's, it's great to be intimate and then go to sleep after. You know, you relax, take it easy. Mashallah, you know. But if both of you are out there, man, forget about it. Imagine coming home from a long day of work and she just adds more to your plate. Not the literal plate. Like, I'm, ta- I'm not talking dinner. I'm talking about just more stuff to deal with. And it's just like, come on. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't work, man. Yeah, it's, it's a man. I'm not- you know, man gets stressed. Man gets stressed. 100%. Rami, you got any comments, bro? We got two minutes left. No, honestly, I'm just listening in. I'm like, that's facts, mashallah. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think we, even we can talk more about this even in the next episode. There's still a lot that we can discuss. I think we should Definitely. prematurely leave it because there's. we want to make sure this series really address this. I think, again, to restate the objective of this series to our viewers, you know, this is the, the, real, the realest podcast in the dunya. I mean, because we're like, talking about things that people don't want to talk but they're problems these are issues right so the objective is to get come up with some solutions change the mindset of people and again we're not saying because when i talk about intimacy a lot of people attack and say this is like shameful and it's not that's not we're trying to be rated r and all that or rated x sorry we're trying to to raise an issue and give some solutions to a big problem that is breaking the ummah is breaking the marriages right it's breaking the family which is the building block of the ummah so we want to give some solutions change the mindset not be vulgar or bad or this or that i mean what a final what a wonderful note man any last uh comments from either of you no all right then we'll pick this up tomorrow inshallah you guys enjoy your iftar inshallah make lots of dua all right with that being said may allah accept our fasting from all, all of us and all the viewers may allah allow us yeah, all good. If you made it this far, hashtag pick the right one. <laughs> pick the right one. And make sure or, they check the, the ones. previous ones and eh? the previous episodes as well. Eh? Thanks, 100%. Yes, yes, if I wasn't so sloppy, I would have I remembered to put that in. But Jazakallah uh, khair. I apologize for the bummy intro, but inshallah, I can have a, a better outro, inshallah. Uh, <laughs> may Allah uh, accept from us uh, the series and and our khair and our fasting and, and bless us with the month of Ramadan. Amin. That being said, may Allah bless you all. Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adab al nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A lot of people have this misconception that uh, you know once I feel closer to God, then I'm going to start practicing. It's backwards. You won't feel close to God until you start practicing. The Prophet ﷺ, he, there's a hadith qutsi where he says that the most beloved acts of worship to God are those which he made obligatory. The person continues to get closer and closer to Allah, key point, gets closer and closer by voluntary acts of good. So like sunnah, um, things, you know, for the sake of Allah, things that are not obligatory, but you do them just to please Allah until Allah begins to love the person. 
So two things. You want to feel close to Allah. You want Allah to love you. Do what Allah uh, prescribes for you, which is fard. So praying, fasting, hajj, zakat, and, and ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna muhammad rasulullah. And then on top of that, sunnah prayers, uh, sunnah fasts, giving extra and charity to the point where Allah will inshallah begin to love you.